Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and fire can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Today's episode of Petri Dish is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so that you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. It's really easy. You just need to apply to become a member, and you're immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's at podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Hey, guys. Welcome to Peach Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Guys, today we're going to continue, or I guess finish, our long-running, several-month-long series on regeneration. <laughs> For everybody, <laughs> we started with hydras and planariums who can, you can just chop them up and make all sorts of new hydras and planariums. They're super regenerative. Mm-hmm. And we talked about slugs and some other shit. And those guys, <laughs> man, those guys can regenerate. <laughs> yeah, we talked about sea slugs and how they can decapitate themselves, right? And then grow back a whole new body. Right. And then we talked about zebrafish. Because they're actually vertebrates, and that's like getting at least a little closer to us. Right. And they can do regenerate all kinds of stuff, including their telencephalon. Boom. Which is part of their brain. And also their heart. They can regenerate a lot of that. This episode, we're going to take that final step, that final step into humanity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. This episode, we're going to finally get to humanity through... Mm, no... How should I say this? <laughs> this step, we're going to fuck our way through. <laughs> we're going to fuck the man. <laughs> Just blasting through yeah, amphibians yeah. and reptiles along the way. We're going to keep taking those steps along the evolutionary tree. And so first, we're going to start out broadly in the tetrapod world. Mm. Okay, and we're going to talk about newts. And then we're going to go to lizards. And then we're going to wrap it up with humans and other mammals. Cool. And spoiler it gets worse and worse, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, it does. All right, so let's do it. Okay, so what are amphibians? Yeah, you know, when we were growing up, we watched a lot of videos, nature documentary things, right. you know, to learn about all these different guys. Eyewitness. witness. Yeah. No, it's copyright. <laughs> what have we done? But, yeah, it's over. Yeah. But I don't know if everyone out there is as acquainted with the different kinds of animals and everything. So right. amphibians have a very <laughs> long evolutionary history. Yeah. What were we laughing about? No, it's just I didn't know what pangolins were until kind of recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. like, sure. At yeah. first it seems comical, but it's like, I get it. Like, yeah. Everyone knows so amphibians... Animals. Are really fucking old. Yeah, they're a group of animals that go back a long way. You okay? said 370 million years or something like 370 that? 370 million years, so that's definitely before dinosaurs. It's before right. trees. That's why we use their DNA to fix up raptosauruses or something, right? <laughs> that movie did not make a ton of sense. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice tri-Jurassic Park. <laughs> but, so they have a long way back, right? Right. And one of the ideas was they were kind of evolving 
an in-between space. There's sort of like this link between the ocean living and land living. Right. Right. And, you know, their modern day descendants, we're talking things like frogs, toads, salamanders, newts. Right. So all of these are amphibians. Right. They all got that sticky, sticky wet skin that they love sucking DDT through, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, their skin is pretty permeable. They can be kind of sensitive to pollution. Right. Um, They're like dying off pretty hard right now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are. They also often go through metamorphosis. Right. Right. Just like for frogs, you have little tadpoles. Yeah. Right, little polywogs, and then they end up pushing some arms out, pushing out some legs, and then scooping up that tail back into themselves. Right. And you have little uh, little hoppy bros. So it's not that surprising that these guys can regenerate a little bit. Right. You would think that because they're undergoing metamorphosis, and metamorphosis kind of feels sort of regenerative because right. you're building all new body parts, and you're right. you know, sucking up some body parts you don't need anymore. But... Interestingly, some of the amphibians that go through kind of what we think of as like the most metamorphosis right. are actually the ones with the least regenerative potential. So an adult frog right. does not regenerate that much. Right. They really don't regenerate much at all. Right. They're kind of more like humans in that way. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas tadpoles, you could like slice the tail off a tadpole. And it'll grow that tail back. Damn. Whereas with something like a frog that we use in the lab a lot is called Xenopus. If you take Xenopus and you chop off its arm, an adult Xenopus, yeah. chop off its arm, right. it'll grow a little bit of like a little nub there. Yeah, It'll grow out a little bit, but it won't actually make a full arm. That's not that one character says in Aliens. He's like, I'm covered in Xenopus, bro. <laughs> Xenopus everywhere, bro. <laughs> Sorry. That's great. <laughs> That's great. That's great. The alien is called a xenomorph, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's Xenopus. It's <laughs> yeah, like all over. <laughs> all over those guys. All over Hicks. That's beautiful. Yeah. You did great. <laughs> yeah. So those kind, the frogs and the toads, they're called anurans. Anurans don't have as much regenerative potential as adults. Right. But there is... This kind of other group of the amphibians, the Eurodels, and those are like the newts and the salamanders. Those guys regenerate a lot. Yes. Those ones keep regenerative potential to adulthood. That's why they're so good for witches. Is like witches yeah, could grow a yeah. hundred of them and cut off little bits and sure. use that. For like tonics. you need like a like a newt eye or something like that. You can right. just pop that eye out of there. It'll grow a new one. It'll get a new eye going yeah. on. That's very sustainable witchcraftery. That's amazing. Yeah. You really did it. Yeah. So a lot of the regeneration research that people do, when they want to do research on one of the amphibians... They got to use axolotls. That is one of the options. He. Although, I think the pronunciation... Fuck. <laughs> is... Uh, Quetzalcoatl. Tenochtitlan. <laughs> You're getting closer. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a shodel. A shodel. Yeah, so the X, I think, is a sh sound. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so the thing is that, like, if you look up some of the pronunciation things, it just goes straight for, like, the axolotl or whatever. Right. I think that's just because when American and British people saw an X in a word, they just couldn't help themselves and had to right. make a K sound. Right. But in the actual language yeah. that this name comes from... Nahuatl? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I got my Jar Jar Binks down, dude. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> okay. So there are a few different options for scientists to pick from. Okay. If they want an amphibian that's like really good at regenerating. Okay. One of them is the Ashotl, which is a salamander. And it's a salamander that 
retains a lot of the features of kind of more of a larval salamander. All right. In that it kind of keeps its gills around and everything. It really likes to swim around in the water and everything. Pedomorphism is what it's called. It retains features of its childhood. Okay. Um, Like me. (laughs) What do you you say that term is? Pedomorphism. I'm a pedomorph. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not attach you and paid. Let's just not go there. Like, you didn't have to give that idea to the audience, right? Matt Gates gave it to everybody. Okay. He already gave it to everybody. So, so sad what they do to such a respectable young man as Matt Gates. Let's right? not do it. <laughs> so there are other options, though. Okay, yeah. Ashotls are salamanders, but you can also pick one of three species of newt to do a lot of studies in. Cool. And these are the eastern red-spotted newt, the Japanese firebelly newt, or the Iberian ribbed newt. Okay, all those guys regenerate a lot. Yes, and actually, they vary in their regenerative ability. Right. Ashotls actually regenerate the least. What? So they regenerate pretty much all the things for the first two weeks after hatching. Okay. But after two weeks, their ability to regenerate falls off pretty hard. Okay. So they actually do not, for like all of their lifespan, retain that ability compared to these newts. So these newt species that I mentioned actually are able to regenerate things like their spinal cord, part of their brain, part of their heart getting removed. Limbs getting chopped off. Tails getting chopped off. Right. They can grow back all of that stuff throughout their entire lives and multiple times. So they're a lot like the zebras of the Serengeti that we talked about earlier. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> nice. That's a callback to our previous episode. Yeah. In case it didn't make sense now, yeah. it didn't make sense then either. Yeah. <laughs> so. But okay, so like the zebrafish, they can regenerate pretty large amounts of like a nervous system. Right. So, you know, it was interesting when I was writing up the notes for the zebrafish, And sort of conceptually thinking about how our episodes were going to go, I thought that as we got closer and closer to humans, we would see a progressive loss of regenerative abilities. Right. It's not that simple. Newts have, I would say, pretty much all the regenerative capability as zebrafish. Yeah. Especially these species of newts. That's not all newts everywhere. But they do have a really impressive ability to handle all that stuff, including a lot of parts of their eyes, like their eye lens and stuff like that. Those are very difficult to regenerate because they're such complex structures that usually just get set up and then that's it. You don't really get to get a new lens going. If eyes were simple, uh, you know, like Stevie Wonder would see, right? Because we would to fix that. That's great. But they got to be really complicated (laughs) because they never fix that, even though he's like one of the great musicians of the modern era. That must be true. Yeah. Yes. I, um, I mean, same with other blind people. Okay. Even less famous ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, this was fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, not in America because of our healthcare system. <laughs> right? What was I about to say? So how do they regenerate? Yeah, so it's interesting. When we were talking in episode one about regeneration in planarians, yes. we had mentioned they had these neoblasts. Right. And the neoblasts are their adult stem cells living all throughout the planarian that can basically replenish any lost cells. That is kind of like one option for how you can regenerate, is you have stem cells hanging out and they divide when there's a wound or something. Okay. Another option is something we talked about in episode two with the zebrafish, specifically their heart regeneration, is the cells in the area turn back the clock, right? Mm -hmm. And they go from being terminally differentiated, you know what your job is, you know what your career is, it's the end of the road for you. They turn back the clock to become more like stem cells and then divide, right? So that's called de-differentiation. 
that's kind of like option two. Right. And we actually see that in like a shortle in limb regeneration, it seems to be the stem cell one. Okay. More like planarians. Stem cells in the area dividing to like replenish the muscle. But that's area. not true of all amphibians. Right. So for newts, it looks like it's more like the de-differentiation kind. Mm. Where muscle fibers, right there where the limb got amputated, the muscle fibers will actually turn back the clock. Okay. And then they will become more like stem cells, divide a bunch, and make new muscle. Is that at all surprising that, you know, amphibians would have different ways to regenerate? Or mechanisms? It's a little strange. It's a little strange. I think one of the things that's maybe the most interesting about the way... It's as queer as a question mark, is it not? Not Mr. Chesserholm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a reference. Five dollars to whoever knows what that reference is. <laughs> we, that's not a reference. <laughs> we have, and we have no way of paying you, so let's not worry about it. Um, <laughs> email shot. Right now, the circumstances where we're recording, like a lamp is broken or something, so it's like kind of darker, yeah. and Nathan's kind of got a more like... Witchy kind of corset Yeah, vibe. he's kind of got a more like sensual sort of slither to him. You know, he's got like a fossy kind kinda of Kind of like Lovecraft Country, you know? Okay. Like the poster for it? Uh, yeah. Some tentacles coming out? <laughs> Both sexy and sinister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a pretty good quote, though. <laughs> Queer as a question mark. <laughs> I, that's great. That's got to be in an Agatha Christie somewhere. Yeah, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure she she said a lot of words. Um, so yes, Mr. Allen, continue. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about how newts do it, which is this de-differentiation of muscle fibers in the area, is that muscle fibers in newts and in humans and everything in like tri-tips. that. In tri-tips. Yes. Yes. They are what are called multinucleated cells. Mm. Okay. In that they form because you have a lot of these uh, myocytes, these myo... They start myoblasts. Right, myoblasts. And they eventually turn into muscle cells, but they fuse together to make the long strands. This is why you gotta cut against the grain. Yes. (laughs) That is. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Nailed it. Anyway, so they make these long strands, right? And in newts, what happens is those long strands break themselves back down into individual cells. Hmm, that's they pretty like surprising. Unfuse. Right. And then de-differentiate into stem cells. Right. That's pretty impressive. That would be like if the Republican Party de-trumped and somehow became an earlier <laughs> an earlier form of conservatism, which right. is almost impossible in a political system. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, happening, buddy. And I'm very surprised that this is even possible in biology. Right. I, I, I would not have guessed that that was a doable thing. Yeah. So that's how newts do it, though. That's how they pull it off. And from that point, they're able to build a whole bunch of new muscle cells. And they can re-differentiate into muscle fibers and everything to, cool. in their new arm. This ability of newts and salamanders is unique amongst all tetrapods. Okay. So, like, if we compare them to reptiles, which we're going to do soon, or birds, or mammals, or whatever, these particular amphibians... Are humans a tetrapod? Yeah. What does tetrapod mean? Four legs. I don't... (laughs) That's not me! (laughs) No, your arms and legs. So arms count as legs in this definition? Yeah, 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 yeah. Four limbs. I'm a little embarrassed, because I thought tetrapod was like 
Up the primates. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all part of it. We're okay, okay, it. cool. But so most tetrapods can't do cool shit like that. Right, and you know, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty wild that these particular amphibians can. And so there's been a lot of scientists on the lookout for some reasons why. Yeah. Some scientists feel like a potential place to look is the fact that these amphibians have very large genomes. Yes. So if you look at just like the amount of DNA that they got sitting inside of their cells... It's like eight to ten times larger than the human genome. Right. So that's a lot of space. You know, what if somewhere in there there's some genes that they're the reason why you can do all this regeneration or something, right? So, you know, scientists have looked around some. They're still working on it. But one of the things that they've noticed is that a lot of the space in this genome is taken up by things like transposons and retrotransposons. Bradshaw transposons, dude. Are you trying to pitch a Marvel show to me, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Cool shit like that. It sounds pretty cool, right? (laughs) So maybe someday I'm trying to decide if this is like can be filled into a full topic or whatever. Okay. But retrotransposons are pieces of DNA that can basically turn into RNA, turn back into DNA, and insert themselves in other parts of the genome. Wow. They can basically make copies of themselves and shove them into places in the genome. That's pretty cool. Yes, and they are sort of weird. That Sometimes they're thought of as like almost like parasitic right. DNA elements. Are we using them to make zombies? No. Are we researching them? We are researching them. Oh, okay. But So maybe there's an episode in there somewhere. But the All point right. is, they can kind of copy themselves. And if you see one, a lot of times you'll see a few copies of it because it started to repeat itself. A lot of the genome of these newts and salamanders have these repeating kind of transposons and retrotransposons. Right. Two major families, Gypsy and Harbinger. Fun names. One of those pretty races. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's Romani. I don't, I, I don't know. Romani. <laughs> maybe maybe this retrotransposon was the original. Oh, they named the... Gypsies after <laughs> yeah. retrotransposons. I'm sorry. Etymology's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a whole new world of things to understand. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the Harbinger elements themselves are kind of interesting because... When scientists look at injury sites, like when a limb gets lopped off, right? one of these salamanders or newts, they actually see the cells that are kind of filling in that area are expressing the harbinger elements. Okay. So you see a lot of those getting turned into RNA. Why? What does it mean? Does it actually matter or is that a red herring? We don't know yet. Right. But it is possible that somehow that those harbinger elements are maybe correlated Somehow. Cool. To some of that. So, you know, there's a little bit of some mystery there. So a bigger genome does not mean a smarter guy. No. Because right? I thought... It does so not. I thought Steve Jobs had, like, just genomes, like, like everywhere in his body, right? And that I had a little bit of genomes, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. uh, but salamanders, I mean, they have so much genome, they'd be really smart if that theory held. Yeah, no. I mean, like, corn... Has way more DNA than we do. Right, and that's a terrible band. <laughs> no, right? aw, aw, being so mean to new metal. Um, so, no, no. The, the okay, amount of DNA you have is not really no, correlated no, no, really to that. Or, not to mention, I think, if I remember correctly, amphibians have, over time, like, smoothed their brain out. So Hilarious. <laughs> like that. We think, like, anatomically, they, like, kind of made themselves dumber because it was not necessary oh wow which is interesting (laughs) i mean original frogs were like that fucking frog in the disney ride right they're like walking around little top hats and shit Uh, (laughs) like trick or (laughs) treat i think modern frogs are dumb as shit are you talking about the the racist one 
The one that's is like, a, he's like, hello, my baby. Hello, <laughs> no. my baby. Hello, my, like that one? <laughs> no, no, that one. <laughs> no, it's like, I think it's a toad, actually. It's like, it's like there's a whole Disneyland ride about him. It's like Mr. Toadass. Oh, like Toad, toad Wild Ride. Yes. Where he like learns you can drive cars. Yeah. He's not racist. He's classist in that's like right. British society. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we got that story. I was out. just watching My Fair Lady <laughs> and like Britain's fucked up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, They're pretty naughty over there yeah. okay so one one other kind of interesting avenue of research in the amphibian world is the immune system and its role in regeneration okay because again while scientists are out there kind of looking for trends in things one thing that they notice is that in the anurans like toads and frogs tadpole immune systems are sort of weaker than the adult immune systems okay like they kind of go through this clear transition right and newts and salamanders, their immune systems don't go through as big a jump in strength. Okay. Between, like, young newts and adult newts. Mm. So maybe the immune system. Maybe right. the stronger the immune system, more it fucks up your own regeneration. Right. So this is something that, like, they're trying to look at a little bit. For example, macrophages play a really important role in the yeah. immune system. They're the white blood cell innate immune cell that kind of goes around eating up bacteria right, right? you guys don't remember listen to our innate and inane immune system episodes <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should have called them <laughs> innate and adaptive immune system and yeah osmosis jones was a macrophage yes right? yeah so the thing is what people don't know yeah is that those macrophages are not just bacteria eating machines they are also really important for the wound healing process right and so macrophages are brought to the site of something like a limb getting chopped off and they are really important for setting things up for either appropriate regeneration or fucking things up so that things don't regenerate at all right so it does seem like macrophages and maybe another kind of immune cell called regulatory t-cells which are really important for calming down in inflammation responses yeah maybe those two guys working properly in a certain way are really important for setting regeneration on mm. or making it so it can't go on interesting right well before you guys feel jealous though um all this regeneration is not going to help them stay alive for much longer so yeah. don't don't be too envious of amphibians yeah amphibians are on the way out they're yeah. not going to make it yeah they're not regenerating through pesticides yeah and global warming and everything right like the, well the, hoax but, but, oh, <laughs> but i mean pesticides you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um anyway so let's go ahead and take a break Science news. So, you know, in Indiana, they got this, they got the Fermi Lab, right? It's this building, looks like an H, right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> and in it, they got the the, the, the big circle, right? And, oh, yeah, they got like a particle accelerator or some kind of shit, right? Yes. Okay, so, well, I don't know if you know this, but, but there's electrons, right? Okay. Okay, it turns out electrons have this other thing called a muon, and it's like a really big electron. And the muon, they've predicted what's called a magnetic dapple, right? And, and the magnetic dapple is like when, like, the, the spin of like two particles they're like whoop, they kind of like die up together right they're 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 doing the same direction or something right okay sure yeah, Di yeah. dipole means uh, two two poles two right. poles so it's got like a positive and negative okay but sometimes it's anomalous whoa shit okay <laughs> g equals two i don't know what that means but apparently for electrons g equals two 
Okay, and so what the Fermi Labs did is they took the muon, right, and they shot it around a while, okay, and such that it could interact with all sorts of virtual particles, right? Uh, QED. Right, Feynman diagrams. <laughs> and, and, okay, wait, let me figure this out. The muon. So, so the muon, yeah. it was supposed to like anomalize the dipole like a certain number that they calculated, imagining <laughs> through Feynman diagrams all the ways the muon could interact with different virtual particles. Okay, but yes. After they did all their experiments or whatever in Indiana, it didn't work out that way. Oh. Yeah. The G the G did not equal the two number that it should have equaled if we only had a certain number of virtual particles. Which is to say, with a sigma four point two, I don't really know what that means. But with a with a sigma four point two, it's looking like there has to be a whole particle, a whole part of the standard model that we don't know about yet. Well, that's very exciting. I know nothing gets physicists more excited than something going wrong, basically. Right. Well, anyway. <laughs> this was Science News with Bartender. <laughs> so, get this, dude. First of all, Vivaldi. I got a couple books on him. Because reading about him is really interesting. Did you know that Vivaldi is, like, not from 1900? He's, like, legit old. Like, like, why would he be from 1900? I don't know. It's just what some... the fuck are you talking about? Well, you know, like the you he know, was like one of the older ones. Well, you know the the seasons. Yeah. Okay, so that okay, so obviously I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to defend my. Let's ignorance. start there. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I thought it sounded very like 1900 to me. Like I don't know because mm. it's I don't know why because it's like now that I know he's baroque, it's like obviously baroque. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, I didn't know that. So I was just like, oh, this guy was probably hobnobbing with Holst or something. And it turns out he's like fucking Baroque. He's yeah. like, what? He sounded like Tchaikovsky to you or something like that? I don't that? know. Like, were there fucking cannons in the, in the I don't seasons? know why. <laughs> it's just like, it, it didn't. I think it's because at YouTube, whenever I click Vivaldi, the backgrounds don't look that old. It's like, I mean, it's like summer or spring or something. <laughs> but, like, but like, this is kind of fascinating. I'm not defending it. Point is, is I had no clue Vivaldi was old. So first yeah. of all, Vivaldi's really old. Yeah. Second, get this. He was known as the Red Priest because he had red hair. Oh. And because he was originally a Catholic priest. Oh. Okay, next. He worked for 30 years at this really famous opera house or fucking, I don't know, something like that shit in Venice. That was run by a convent of nuns, and all the musicians were female orphans. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, they took orphans in general, but the men by 15, if they had learned a trade, they would leave and go practice their trade. And, you know, some women didn't stay either, but women were all trained in instruments, and the ones who were really good would stay as virtuosos. And the opera was, or the, I, I don't think it's a symphony, it was like really famous in Europe in general because it was like the all women. Pretty good, like Venetian Symphony. And he wrote all his music for them. Dude, that's fucking awesome. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. I bought a bunch of books because I was like, we need to make a screenplay about this guy. Sure. That's crazy, yeah. right? It'll be like Amadeus, except way cooler. Isn't so? We should have two segments. And one of them is like Nathan explains, like Nathan in history and then Nathan in science. And then it'd be a funny contrast, right? We were going to do a Nathan in history thing, but yeah. what we figured out is that you start to get psyched out by you speaking for too long. Right, right, right. And then also, I'm not funny. So that was, <laughs> You're funny no, that was, that was the main problem is I wouldn't interrupt you and say funny things. You would just keep talking and then you'd start to be like, no, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> it's too long. All right, well, anyway, guys. So we're back with Petri Dish. Uh, we've just wrapped up on amphibians who have these amazing and awesome regenerative power. Well, depends on the amphibian. The newts. Newts have these amazing regenerative powers. Let's move to the animals that look a lot like them. 
but suck way more, it turns out. Yeah. Lizards. Yeah, so... In contrast to something like newts or salamanders, lizards have a very limited form of regeneration. Right, but it's a very famous form of regeneration. Right, Right. they can pop their tails off, right? Right. And it's interesting... Just like Vegeta. Can't they pop their tail off? I think they can get their tail ripped off. (laughs) But it's not, like, a happy time for them. Can you, like, put it back on? I think it grows back eventually. Okay, so it is kind of similar. They do have regenerative Yeah, powers, it grows back. It grows back. But it doesn't have a notochord in there or anything. Maybe. Okay, well, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sure what's in there. Let's not anyway. derail. <laughs> yeah, that's Dragon Ball Z, everybody. Yeah. Okay, so I guess with lizards, it's kind of a special case because unlike salamanders and newts, who probably retained regenerative abilities from our common ancestor. Right. Like what they evolved from also could regenerate. Adam right? and Eve. What? No, yeah, that's so, not how that works. Well, yeah, I mean, evol- <laughs> so, so both Christianity and evolution got it wrong. <laughs> All living things came from Adam and Eve. And just add some things stayed human. And then some of Adam and Eve's kids turned into like lizards and shit. That's a, somehow that's even more disturbing. <laughs> that's an even more disturbing creation myth. Yeah. Okay. So salamanders, newts, they're probably retaining a, a regeneration from a common ancestor. Right. That probably reaches pretty far back because it's probably the same source that things like the zebrafish got it from. Right. Right. That regeneration has been possible for a long evolutionary history. Right. But then within tetrapods, we started losing it. Right. And probably all of these species here, all of reptiles, all of birds, all of mammals, completely lost it. Right. And then later... Okay. Lizards got it back. Okay. Okay. That's probably what happened. It's not that they kept it from a long time ago. It's probably that they re-evolved the ability to regenerate. So does that mean the mechanism of regenerating a tail is different for a lizard? It's interesting. It's kind of similar to limb regeneration for newts. Mm, That's proving intelligent design. No. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do want to say about that kind of idea is even though they have basically re-evolved a form of regeneration... They can't regenerate their limbs, right? right? They can't regenerate their spine or parts of their brain or their heart. They're not like newts. They don't have that capacity to do just all of them. They can only regenerate their tail, and even that is kind of a bullshit nubby tail. Right. The tail that gets regenerated to replace the lost one is not a full-functioning tail. Right. It can get up to be the right size as the previous tail. Right. And it'll have, like, muscle tissue in there. And it'll have something that looks kind of like vertebra kind of like a spine but that spine actually doesn't have separate vertebra in it Mm -hmm. right so just like you know your spine it's got all those vertebra notches kind of along the way right yeah you do not have those in the regenerated lizard tail it's kind of just this one long block of cartilage and so it you know like structurally physically it is a different tail than the previous one and it's kind of thought that that tail can't really break the same way as the first tail, right? So, like, if you imagine that one way that a lizard can lose its tail, it'll just kind of pop off in between vertebra. Right. If the new tail doesn't have vertebra anymore, right. you can't just, like, pop it in half, right? Right. If it's going to lose that whole new tail, it needs to lose the whole new tail right? at some vertebra higher up in its real spinal cord. Right. Or uh, real spine. So, you know, that's a different situation. In a certain sense, part of this is kind of more similar to the sea slugs in that the sea slugs that were self-decapitating, 
there was like sort of like a, <laughs> you can almost imagine it like a perforation right. for paper towels or something, you know? Right, There's right. like a line where that's kind of like always where they would cut their head off. Right. Same with lizards and tails. A lot of lizards that are able to lose their tails and regenerate have a breakage point. Right. Where it's easier for that to split off. So they kind of control where the tail breaks away from the okay. body. And so, you know, that's kind of similar to what the uh, sea slugs have going on. And that spot where it breaks up is a, a wound. You right. know what I mean? It's not like you break it away and it's like already healed right. up and there's skin there. Well, so is there anything special that the wound has to do to thus clear the way for regenerating even a nubby tail? Right. So here's where it is still kind of like when a newt is regenerating a lost arm or something. Right. Okay. In that one of the first things that happens is you have cells come in and start to kind of break down that wound area. Right. Okay. So the breaking down process is happening. The skin that's kind of around the wound starts dividing to cover up the wound. Okay. And kind of now within that little tail nub area, the lizard is kind of dissolving the extracellular matrix. Okay. Okay. So it's actually like physically breaking down a lot of the scaffolding of that tissue. Right. It almost turns kind of jelly-like. Right. We're getting rid of Ad Kissinger. Right, we're getting rid of Liz Cheney, right? <laughs> Paving the way. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like um, if you like need to seriously, seriously like retrofit a building, you got to tear out a yeah. lot of the earlier shit. Yeah, it might get to a point where it's like, you know what? To actually have this building be sound, we would need to demolish it and rebuild a new. Right. Right. So let's get all the scaffolding out of there. All right. the old structures. So tear that down and then rebuild. And so that's kind of what's happening is you're having cells coming in, including macrophages. And they are secreting stuff that actually physically, enzymes, that chop up the extracellular matrix. Okay, cool. And so it turns into this kind of more almost embryo-like kind of jelly area where you have a bunch of cells, they're dividing to create new cells. Okay. To grow the nerves, the blood vessels, the muscles, everything like that. This whole area where you're dissolving shit, you're making new cells, that's called the blastema. Right. We actually talked about blastema, I think, in episode one with planarians. Damn. Uh, the blastema is also present in the sea slugs. Right. The blastema is also present in the zebrafish and newts and salamanders and lizards. And we'll learn a little bit in humans, maybe. Right. And so this blastema is like, for animals, it seems to be like a really important thing to rebuild things like appendages and limbs and stuff right. like that. It's like a major regenerative construction zone. Basically, this whole tail regeneration that lizards do, right? It's all a part of uh, autotomy that they're cleaving something off. But in this case, specifically to avoid predation. Right. Right. That's kind of one of the indicators to scientists that, like, maybe that's why this evolved overall. Is right. That, like, there's kind of a specific purpose in this case. Yeah. So there's, like, a bunch of birds coming around. And it turns out that the birds were getting really good at grabbing lizard tails. Right. And lizards could actually survive if they could survive without their tail. Right. And then, somewhere along the line, it was like, okay, well, you can survive without your tail, but can you survive a little bit better if With you some of the regrow back. your tail? Right. right. And so you can imagine how that sort of evolutionary ball can get rolling, right? Those are kind of two different things. One of them is the ability to lose your tail and not die. Right. And the other one is to be able to grow it back. Yeah. At first glance, it seems like, why would you not want to grow it back, right? That seems like obviously better, but that's probably pretty taxing. Right. Right. Yeah. It takes a shitload of energy to rebuild all of that stuff. Yeah. 
And even after you rebuild it, it's not a perfect copy anyway. Right. And in the scheme of the survival of the fittest, natural selection kind of thing for evolution, you really, you're trying to like have kids or whatever, right? So right. You kind of have progeny and everything to pass things on. You need on. to live long enough. Right. So like in some cases, it might not be necessary to regrow a tail. You could still be all right as a lizard, right? Interesting. So there are some species of lizards that can't lose their tail at all. Right. There are some species of lizard that can lose their tail and don't really regrow it. There are some that lose their tail and can regrow it once, but never again. And then there's some lizards that can lose it multiple times. Right? It's all over the place with lizards. So, you know, this evolutionary theory as to it arising because of predation and having some kind of fitness benefit to have your tail back, it's something we think, but we're not completely sure about. Right. It does seem like there must be some fitness benefit having your tail maybe it's easier to walk or some kind of shit like that right that'd help explain its cost because it definitely has a cost there's a lot of energy that it takes to regrow that kind of thing it's probably mostly sexual selection right it's probably like all the young fillies want to ride that tail right (laughs) just like looking at how big that tail is (laughs) yeah probably um (laughs) sometimes we almost think stuff you know like a lot of it's just getting laid you know it's possible. Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's an excellent way to get out of this. Right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about humans. Yeah. And how we suck ass. Big H. Okay. After the break. The following is an actual advertisement. Hello, Twisted Humans. This is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, what I've been thinking about this whole last couple episodes is the gift of the Valar, right? And how the thing that differentiates us from elves is that we are not immortal. And I kind of feel like the fact that we don't regenerate, right, is what Tolkien's talking about. And you think it's a curse. So did many of the Lords of Numenor, right? And then the nine kings who became the Nazgul. But in reality, it's a gift, Right, because the regeneration does not necessarily make any of these species. It doesn't necessarily have like an obvious demonstrable benefit. Well, it, I mean, I, I guess if, if your point is regeneration didn't lead newts to make the nuclear bomb, yes, <laughs> yeah, the, then I buy it. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. And nor did they sink the island of Numenor. Right? Yeah, but you know, at the same time, like in Lord of the Rings, humans fucked up a lot of shit. It's like, oh, well, the age of man wasn't a good thing that happened. Okay, well, in the defense of man, though, that's just because we're very third age centric in uh, in modern Western culture. Uh, if you look at the Cimmerillion, like, L's really fucked up. Like, L's fucked up hard, okay, right? Okay. You know? The Noldor L's <laughs> fucked up. I just, I feel like... They're the original colonizers. Uh, I mean, maybe this is uh, me becoming a republican but i feel like <laughs> i feel like the story is one of decline yeah. as time goes on right uh, like, uh, uh, racial decline <laughs> <laughs> holy shit it's not you being a republican <laughs> it's uh, tolkien being a funny guy you know what i'm saying uh, you can't well, entirely escape being an english guy in 1930 yeah world war one did a number on him okay so let's <laughs> in his defense it didn't even usually say like i thought he usually was like don't read too much into it. Yes, it's a did. fantasy. There's like one time where he was like, you know, dwarves are a little bit like Jews. 
<laughs> but like mostly he was like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of made up. Yeah. He was like, orcs don't have to be anything besides yeah. orcs. They really? happen to look German. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have to be German. <laughs> it's, you know. Yeah. There is a clan of orc called the Kraut clan. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. like, let's, let's not get too far yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. Um, okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Petri Dish. So, now that we're back, let's finish up our talk about regeneration yeah. with humans. Okay. So, famously, there's some examples of highly regenerative mammals, like wolverines and vampires <laughs> right werewolves yeah, yeah werewolves yeah. right but writ large not a lot of very regenerative mammals right so by and large mammals kind of suck at regeneration right um again though that's the gift of the valar yeah well yes. we'll see <laughs> one place where we actually do see pretty awesome regeneration including in humans is the liver okay so which is good yeah because that's you've good been for drinking. me no, actually, no. You've been you've been not. I've been a better really. boy. Oh, I'm a better boy so now. So good. Although last time I saw you, you brought mescal and we drank that. But whatever. That's true. It was your birthday. All my cheat days are with you. You should be flattered. Oh. So the mammalian liver can actually regenerate like an impressive amount. Right. Why? Uh, why? You, you, why? Yeah. Why the liver specifically? Like why not the heart? Right. So one potential reason is that the liver is really a spot where like a lot of detoxing happens. Right. Okay. As in, I feel like for some reason, I'm not totally sure why, but I feel like for some reason, someone on Twitter is going to be mad that I said that the liver does detoxing. Yeah, detoxing is like a very loaded term now. It's been branded I see, I see. to oblivion. It, it, it's got like a kind of goopy kind of thing to it. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. got a goopy connotation. So, so what the liver does is it, it is able to take a lot of the things kind of flowing around your bloodstream and use enzymes to break them down and then pass them out of your body. Okay. So the liver does have that function where it actually ends up running into a lot of naughty shit if you have it in your bloodstream. Right. So if you're taking drugs or something like that. Right. Good kinds of drugs, bad kinds of drugs. Either way, Stop the liver... looking at me like that. Yeah, I'm watching. <laughs> um, either way, the liver's, your liver's going to see it. It's right. been seeing it. Right. And it's unhappy. Right. And alcohol, of course, we know that the liver plays a really big role. Right. Um, so there's a lot of worker turnover in the yes, liver. Yes, yes. Right. And so because of that, probably the liver in humans and all mammals and all the animals that have a liver, which is a lot of them. Has to be regenerative. Has to be able to regenerate. Right. But you can even go so far as to just like cut out, just lop off like half of a person's liver. Wow. And the person will regrow their liver. When Who did that to who? Well, sometimes you have to do it if you have, like, liver cancer. Oh, okay. Right? So you might need to cut out a chunk of the liver. Um, and then, surprise, surprise. It grows back. Wow, that's cool. Yes. And there have been experiments in animals yeah. where they have taken the liver out of, for example, in mice and rats, they've cut out two-thirds of their liver. Mm -hmm. So they left behind one-third inside the mouse or rat. Okay. And it regrew all the way. That's cool. The interesting thing about the liver is it's somehow able to kind of sense the size of the thing it's in. Yeah. So, for example, if you took a human adult liver and did a transplant into a child. like It, oh, would, it uh, would not grow as big. It would shrink Whoa. to be uh, the appropriate size for the child. Damn. So, livers are probably like mitochondria. They're actually a separate organism <laughs> that humans took up in the case of symbiosis at some point in our evolution, probably around 5,000 years ago. No. <laughs> no. Adam and Eve didn't have livers. Almost not. They didn't need to, because they were pure. <laughs> yeah. Till the snake gave her the apple. 
<laughs> it's probably it's probably true that like Adam and Eve for a while weren't doing Jameson shots. Or right. Whatever, you know? But then they like, got kicked out of Eden and like pretty quick yeah. they made Jameson. Yeah, they hit the sauce. Yeah. Um Yeah, so it was an applesauce no more. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But okay, okay, so far somehow livers know to scale to the size of the organism they're in. Right, right. And it, it works in the opposite direction. If, if you got a kid liver shoved into you, it would grow to be the right size. I thought we agreed. We're not going to bring that up in a public <laughs> form like a podcast. Um, <laughs> no one needs to know where I get my livers. So? That's pretty surprising shit. That is very cool. And we don't really know why or how or any of that. I mean, I guess we know why. That's useful, but we have no clue how. Uh, yeah, I, I would say we're not totally sure how the liver knows. Right. I think... One theory that I might have heard is that it has to do with blood pressure. So, like, bigger livers have more vasculature in them. Right. And so as the blood is flowing through, like, it kind of ends up slowing down more at a certain point. Well, that's interesting. And then that slowness makes it so the liver's like, oh, I got to shrink it up a little bit. Interesting. So there's an explanation that isn't about sentience and, like, sentient (laughs) livers. Yes, agreed. A liver consciously can you Yes, yeah, yeah. So one of those theories. And then if the liver's too small, like, if you just cut off half of it, the blood pressure kind of at that point would be higher because it had less kind of area to flow through. Right. And then that would spur more growth of the liver. Cool. And so actually, you know, that they were trying to look to see, like, where are these extra liver cells coming from? Right. And in the case of human livers, as far as we can tell, it's from the remaining liver cells dividing. So okay. liver cells are called hepatocytes. Those hepatocytes dividing and growing bigger so they just like physically get bigger and then they also divide and that kind of replenishes the space that was gone of the previous liver that should be your your rap name your mc name hepatocyte hepatocyte <laughs> great can you spit around real quick no it was many and many a year ago in the kingdom of the sea <laughs> you may know by the name of annabelle Wee. wow we're gonna do poe huh <laughs> no i i made that <laughs> Whoa, he was the same time as Vivaldi, right? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> 1920. <laughs> wow, that's not right for either of us. <laughs> that's that not great. Oh, um, okay, so, you know, hey, that's cool, man. Yes. Livers are cool. And they're not the only organ or tissue in your body that can regenerate. Our uh, gut lining, right. you know, that replenishes and everything like that. Yeah, my brain doesn't. There's no regeneration Uh, there. Most of our brains have very limited ability to regenerate. Right. At certain ages and certain parts of the brain, we still seem to have stem cells that can regenerate. That's cool. But by adulthood, I'd say the bulk of our brain doesn't really seem capable of regenerating anymore. Right. So, definitely seems to be the case. Hey, in people, maybe we got a cool organ or two that can regenerate nice. But for the most part, we suck. Okay, yeah, like you cut off an arm, you don't get a new arm. What's the deal? Right. So one thing I can say is that we had mentioned in the newt part that macrophages seem to really matter right. in the regeneration. The immune system seems to play right. a role. The human immune system is all popping off nutso, right. right? So right. it's like way too aggro. And, you know, we still know that things like macrophages are important for our regeneration. Even the regeneration we have, like in the liver, you need to have macrophages for it to go properly. When they took mice and they like chopped off half their liver or whatever, and then also got rid of their macrophages, those livers regrew super slowly. Right. Normally, your liver grows back in like two weeks. Right. It took them months to grow back without macrophages. So something about macrophages there helping the wound healing process is very important. But clearly, 
we have plenty of macrophages. And like you said, when you chop off my arm every Sunday, right. it doesn't grow back. Right. So don't. We started two Sundays ago. <laughs> yeah. So. And we can't keep going. <laughs> Game's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, why can't we regenerate other stuff? Yeah. And as it turns out, I didn't really know this, but young mammals, including young humans, right. can regrow their digit tips. Oh, okay. It's so kind of like the, the, you know, from your first little knuckle near yeah. the tip on to Get the a tip. baby. Whoop! Cut that right off. Well, I mean... Please don't. Baby, baby got that tip <laughs> come back. Let's, let's start there. Please don't do right. that. Right. But it's a powerful tonic for witches. Don't do that either. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't dabble in the black arts. Do you have any idea how many witch listeners we have? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we get spray painted outside of our apartment. Satan lives it's all the time. This dude. is giving them just all kinds of terrible ideas. Satan panic. <laughs> yes, the satanic panic. That, <laughs> was, that was a rough time. Yeah. That was a rough time in America. That's why they're so mad at Matt Gates right now. All right. Wait, why? What does that mean? Well, you know, I mean, like QAnon. All those Q guys are protesting on the street for Matt Gates to go to prison. Ah, uh, right, because that, that he's, because be, they hate would be, pedophilia. That would be nice. <laughs> um, so young mammals, including young humans, right. can have sort of the the tips of their digits cut off, cool and, and healthy, regrow. Right. <laughs> None of those fucking things. Also, by the way, some of the most horrific pictures I've ever seen in a scientific <laughs> journal article. Okay. What a huge bummer it was to read those papers. You ate, you you saw a photo of little kid fingers cut off? Yes. Gross. Yeah. What lab were they even allowed to do no, that? No, 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 no. It, it was in <laughs> ERs and stuff like uh, that. okay. Where, like, a kid had, like, snuck into the kitchen and, like, uh, got a hold of a knife and chopped off part of their finger. Oh, And then yeah. went to the hospital, and the hospital was like, holy shit. But then after, you know, kind of helping out with that wound, it was regrowing. Back. Wow, that's cool. And so they took some pictures and everything, right? right that's cool. Good save, too, because I know it really happened. So so, <laughs> so that was pretty impressive. I just made that up all, all nah, on the spot. That's how it goes. We don't we don't chop off kid fingers in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> There's way too much oversight. Um, in any case, what happens in that situation is kind of similar, again, to what we see in the newts and, like, the lizard tail and everything. You have some cells in the area called osteoclasts. These osteoclasts will actually start breaking down the bone nub okay. on the spot. So whatever little bone you have left in that spot, they'll break down some of it first. Cool. And then you have epithelial closure. So your skin that's kind of still around the area, it'll divide to close up the wound. Wow. And then once your wound is kind of closed up, I mean, you know, just in general, whenever you have a cut or something like that, right. your skin tries to heal up so you're not bleeding out of it anymore, right? Right. So this is the same kind of thing. You cover up the wound. Probably in that area, there's a lot of trauma, mm. okay? In that, like, blood vessels got all kinds of fucked up and everything, right? So right underneath that now closed up wound, yeah, that area turns hypoxic, okay. as in there's not enough oxygen being delivered. Right. That signal of there's not enough oxygen seems to be very important for the regeneration process. Okay. It seems to kick off a lot of signals along with macrophages being in the area to kind of wrap up wound healing and start blastema formation. Mm. So again, blastema, that's the same thing we've been seeing all along in all these regenerating right. animals. In theory, right. that's what you need to like really start hitting the right. the regeneration. That's the mat, that's the construction zone, right. right? That's all of those cells dividing getting ready to rebuild all the stuff. And that is what you see in these digit tips. Okay. So the digit tips, they are 
on like a microscopic level when you're looking at the cells, they look very similar to limb regeneration. So what's the like deal nits. that we only do that on digit tips for kids and we don't do it on like, right. like noses? Right. Why do we butts. lose this ability? Yeah. Right. That's a very good question. Right. And I think ultimately we don't totally know. Right. Again, some ideas about it are that our immune system matures. Right. And our immune system gets better at fighting off foreign invaders. But if it were sort of like a seesaw, it gets better at fighting off foreign invaders, but shittier at resolving wound healing right. in a way where you can regenerate. Right. It ends up building more scar tissue instead. And the right. scar tissue is just sitting there and you can't regenerate around it. Yeah. So that seems to be kind of like one of the big problems right now. But it also, in a weird way, kind of gives a little bit of hope because, I don't know, fucking the tip of your finger, it's got nerves in it. It's got blood vessels, it's got bone, it's got muscle. You have the fingernail bed. Right. All of that stuff regenerates in the kids. Right. So if we could figure out how to get that working in adults. Right. And just like sort of conceptually, it's like, that means that in us, the plan to build those things right. via regeneration exists. Still lives. Right. It's Yet. there. So instead, what it seems like is maybe there's other stuff getting in the way of that regenerative process. Right. And so a lot of the current hot, you know, bioengineering research in that kind of regeneration area is about, is there some kind of way where we can supply the signals so that we can get the blastoma forming if somebody like loses their arm or right. something like that? So maybe, you know, like the wound dressing, like you know, the gauze that you kind of put on the wound. Yeah. Maybe that can have some of the protein signals that are supposed to help the cells turn into blastoma. That's so crazy, man. You could just imagine the scene from like the new Avatar, right? You like dip Sam Worthington into this vat. Ooh, kind of jelly looking. And then when he comes back out, he's regenerated a career. You know? <laughs> I don't know why you got to punch down like that. But that was very funny. <laughs> I made like dollars last year. <laughs> Everything's punching up. That poor guy is fucking on the... He's on Venice Beach. Yeah, he's got nothing. That guy, <laughs> that guy got a stimulus check, dude. Those guys, that guy got some Biden bucks. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think there's... There's a lot of really interesting potential there. And then not just supplying signals to try to get the blastoma to form, but if it is something where like macrophages and fibroblasts play a role in terms of wound healing and scar forming, maybe what we need to do with this mess with those cells. Maybe we need to give signals to the macrophages to make them better at wound healing. Right. Or maybe we need to give signals to fibroblasts so that they don't lay down quite as much of the collagen scar tissue, right? right? So those are all possibilities. There's a lot of really interesting lab work that's being done with the Xenopus frogs, which we mentioned earlier. Right. They're the ones that don't really regenerate once they're adults, right? But the tadpole version does regenerate. Right. So they've done things where, like, they've had a Xenopus frog, chop off an arm. Yeah. And then grab a little bit of tadpole juices, kind of rub it on that arm stump. And then it regrows more. Wow. It doesn't regrow all the way. Right. But it regrows more. Okay. And so that's kind of like, there's all these little hints accumulating, you know, all these little experiments, like maybe we're getting closer. So if your dick got cut off and you put a little frog juice on it and you could regrow like a couple <laughs> inches of nub, uh, what would you do? <laughs> you would regrow a little frog hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it uh, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> You're learning... 
all of the wrong lessons. I don't know if you understand. There's, there's like not a single right thing. <laughs> but so all in all, you know, I think very exciting stuff. Very promising. Yes. Including on the penis frog hand front. Right. You know, the technology is not there yet, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. But don't, we're close. Don't go chopping your dick off yet. Yeah. Okay. Just wait. A couple more decades. I tell you, dude, the second we have a pandemic that, like, shrivels dicks, the, like, <laughs> Pfizer and Moderna, <laughs> you pop, boom! It's <laughs> amazing treatment. I gotta figure out, like, in eight months. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was our series on regeneration. Considering the word regeneration, there's right. actually many larger other topics related to it. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things on, like, different kinds of tissue regeneration right. projects in humans and stuff like that. But that's for a different series. Yes. Yeah. Ontological, epistemological, metaphysical cats. There's like all these different ways to think about regeneration. See, Tolkien. <laughs> 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 We're focused on the biological, son. Great. What about spiritual regeneration? <laughs> what happened to the soul of America? The soul of a nation on Hulu. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what a great way to end this episode Just totally <laughs> balls to the walls not making sense um all right so let's say thank you to stacy song our sound lord and engineer and animator yes and whoa, animator. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It, it was a great animation Woo. of me turning nathan into a sean club yeah yeah, yeah. my it. dream <laughs> I've been having these wet dreams for the last week of me turning into you. You didn't look so happy at the end of that animation. So. <laughs> Stacy wishes I, I wanted to be me more. Right, that was editorial. Yeah, lesson. yeah, yeah. Um, let's also say thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Mm -hmm. And then let's go ahead and, yeah, thank, thank you, Nathan. Oh, thank I'm you. gonna toss in a thank you to you. Yes, and thank you, Sean. Wow. Okay, you are young. <laughs> you buy the dinners. That's true. Very sexy. And then, uh, yeah, you can hit us up on Twitter at Dish Podcast. We have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/PetriDish, in case you wanted to pay for this. Yes. And you can email us at PetriDishPod at gmail.com, and we will see you next time. Equine science. See you next time. <laughs>